those ums, likes, you knows, maybes, kind of, not really, so let's get started. Talking about those words that instantly kill our credibility. I want to keep it practical though, and I want to leave you with some things that are going to help you get rid of them, because those are things that we have to start recognizing, seeing how they affect us, and also not being overly perfectionist about too. So there's a, there's a balance that we're going to talk about. It's time to get inside your own head. Begin with the psychology behind your behaviors and fuse it with an acute understanding of self-awareness, emotion, storytelling, body language, and more. Then look at it all through the lens of the latest neuroscience research, broken down to its most digestible form. And you've arrived. Enhanced messaging, deeper connection, heightened influence, and a greater impact on the world. Welcome to the Neuroside of Influence and Leadership with Renee Rodriguez. Hey there, and welcome back to the Neuroside of Influence and Leadership. Today, um, we're um, gonna talk um, about, you know, kinda like um, this concept of um, filler words. Yeah. Those ums, likes, you knows, maybes, kinda, not really. So let's get started. Talking about those words that instantly kill our credibility. And there's a lot of things that I wanna cover that they do. I wanna keep it practical though. And I wanna leave you with some things that are gonna help you get rid of them because those are things that we have to start recognizing, seeing how they affect us, and also not being overly perfectionist about too. So there's a, there's a balance that we're going to talk about. So I want to get into it right away. So what are these filler words, right? So what, what are they? they? They're the ones that we know already. I mean, we know what they are. We know how they sound. We know what, because we all use them. I mean, I, I don't know many people that don't use them. I use them from time to time. They, they come out, you know, the ums, the ahs, so's, you knows, the likes, right? Well, all of those things are filler words. And so I think the one that people are most familiar with is the, the um. And if you've been to Amplify, we know that we attack those. But now I don't, I, we attack them for a different reason. I don't want to give too much of it away. But we don't attack them because that's the main focus. I use them in the beginning to create sort of a stressful environment for those things to sort of be revealed and come to the surface, but also to create a, a, a lot of self-awareness. Self-awareness is a big key of this because we have to create self-awareness if we're going to even understand it. We've got to create awareness that when you do them, most people don't realize how much they use filler words until they start recording themselves and videotaping themselves. They see themselves on camera. And then they don't like it and they don't want to watch camera or listen to their audio anymore. But we've got to begin there. And so why um? Well, let's take a look at it. So let's look at the sound. Why the sound? Well, there's, a, there's a, several reasons why we do it. Number one, there's the stress that we don't like silence, which we're going to talk about. But two, there's an unconscious fear that we're going to be interrupted. Now, that's, there's also cultural things. I know that in where I grew up, uh, being in a Cuban household, it was who was loudest and who kept talking that was going to get heard. And if you didn't talk loud, if you didn't continue talking, and if you created any space in what you were saying you're going to get interrupted. I think in social settings, if you're at happy hour and you've got people that are excited and everyone's going and you begin to tell a story 
and you begin to um, or be, excuse me, you begin to use pauses, and people are, are going to get over it, and they're going to start to interrupt you, and they're going to go on with their own point. And that's because in social settings, people are a little bit more selfish in that sense, right? But there's that fear of being interrupted. But why um? So a lot of reasons. One of them is, as we don't like silence for all the reasons that, that might happen, we begin to, even sometimes we don't know what we're going to say, so we begin to make noise, right? Uh, and so I'm thinking, uh, and then we hear the noise, and because our mouth is open, uh, we close it, go, um, right? Um, so that is one of the main reasons that, at least in our language, we say it. And by the way, all languages have some sort of filler words. Some of them are pretty interesting, actually. So Google them if you really want to uh, learn about it. It's pretty fascinating. You pick a language, pick the filler words, and some of them are actually uh, pretty interesting. So um, likes, you knows, all those things. Here's what I tell people. One is that you have to build an awareness around it. And there is a, there's, and we can talk about this in a little bit, you know, how many can you do? How many should you do? And, and what they say is that, you know, the average person or like from a, sh you know, short, they, they probably every 0.2 seconds of silence or, you know, there's 0.6 seconds of silence, people that do so, one second of silence. And I want to talk about that, but I want to address the, the first piece. What is it doing to you? And I want to say this next piece, adding in the filler words. And I want you just to feel it. Um, you know, the uh, um, next podcast that we're doing um, here on um, like filler words, like um, the pieces where I just got to keep my mouth moving, uh, that, you know, just make sure there's no silence um, because, yeah. So if I were to say this sentence, one of the main things and one of the main reasons why we think getting rid of filler words is important because it will increase your credibility. Add the filler words. One of the um, main reasons uh, that we think uh, you should really um, get rid of the uh, filler words is because uh, we think that um, it will immediately um, increase your uh, credibility. So just hearing those two side by side, immediately you can see that one of them is a lot more credible. So you also have to understand that the brain is trying to process and paint pictures of everything that you're saying. And the more noises, the more stimulus it gets, the more filler words, it creates more cognitive effort. And so it's trying to, to fill in, is this something that I need to listen to or is this just a sound? And it's like trying to sift through the different sounds to find out what are, words are relevant and which ones are not. And so the more ums and ahs and things that you add to it, the more the brain has to work. And if, a, if your listener has to work, it doesn't want to engage. So you want to be easy to listen to. You want something that people feel that it's soothing, it's engaging, and pauses create suspense. Open loops. Gives people something and a reason to tune in to, something to finish that open thought. So those types of things are, are, are critical. So when we're thinking about how we stop it, the first one is got to be aware. And so I, a lot of times we'll really harp on somebody that's doing a lot of ums and ahs. And usually that's somebody that, that has a, a sort of an inflated sense of confidence that comes to our course. And we want to level set a little bit. And 
if they're overly confident, if they're believe that they're overly self-aware and they start ums and ahs and all of that, it's a great way to raise the level of stress. And we like raising the level of stress because it, it reveals attributes. Remember skill, or excuse me, talent is what you were born with. Skill is what you trained for, but attributes sort of what's revealed of you know, how you behave in the situations that you weren't trained for, especially under stress. And that's what we like to train under is that sort of scenario. So adding a little critical environment, something as simple as being aware of ums and ahs can sort of increase that. So once we become aware of it, you'll watch people go through this process of, um, and then they, they, you'll, you'll see sort of this physical response. And if you, if you want to go onto our website, Amplify My Life, and go scroll down to the bottom, you'll see some of the transformation videos. And one of them that's our favorite is our beloved Sam Parker from My Credit Guy. And he goes through and he's umming and aahing and I told him he's got to start, stop and start over and you kind of see him do it. But God bless him, he's so such a trooper and such a, such a coachable person that once he catches it, you'll see him go, my name is, um, and you see his face sort of just cringe once he hears it. And he has to go through that several times to sort of start reprogramming his brain to stop doing that and then start to embrace the silence. So my what I've discovered is, and what, what's really helped people sort of reclaim the silence, is they have to reframe it. What I've come to learn is that people have a belief system around silence. And their belief system is that silence is bad. That silence can cause potential for interruption. Silence can make you sound like you don't know what's coming next. Silence makes you sound like you're not an expert. Silence, and this whole long list that silence equals a negative thing. And this is where the paradox comes into play. And the paradox is, is that, you know, it's like vulnerability is a paradox. We feel weak, but yet we're perceived strong. It's, it's paradoxical. Silence is also the same thing. It feels vulnerable and weak, but it's perceived as wise and strong and confident. And so we have to really change the fundamental inner belief system that, about what we believe around silence. If you want to see two great examples, Google Steve Jobs or YouTube Steve Jobs and or Elon Musk, the two questions where they paused a long time before they answered the question. It was interesting. Steve Jobs was a, somebody in the audience that got upset with him about you know, a mistake he had made and they'd asked the question and he just sat there and you see him staring and it was this awkward long, I mean it felt like it was one to two minutes and then, but everybody was just riveted and he just kept thinking and then his first words were, you know, I don't think you're wrong and some sort of validation that came from it. And then he went into to, to talking about it. But you could tell that he was thinking and he really wanted to put some thought into what was being said. I've watched Elon Musk do it. We're almost like, you know, is he asleep? But he's processing. And he's giving himself permission to, to think through something. But what's really cool is that they obviously believe that silence is an okay thing. But look at the best speakers and how much space and pause they create between thoughts and ideas. If you look at a good ad... It has white space. It's not crowded with a bunch of information. A good business card is simple and clean to the point the only message, not a bunch of clutter. Some of us speak with so much clutter that we need to learn to prune off the unnecessary sounds that don't contribute to the message. And that's really what we're talking about is being as clear and making it as easy to listen to as possible. Is it possible that you're going to get rid of all the ums and ahs and likes and you knows and no, and you don't need to. 
because normal conversation has some of those and has some benefits to it if you do them, you know, sparingly. They can create a sense of comfort and in, in, in a casual feel. But when they're happening too often, that's not good. Like, for example, the research says about one to two filler words every three minutes is fine. But one to two every minute, now you're starting to go downhill. But we watch people do six, seven, eight filler words in, in a 15, 20-second period. And it's just over and over and over. And when you build that awareness at first, it hits you even more, the more stressful because then you become self-conscious about it. And then you, you have a hard time. Yeah, I stopped the ums and the ahs, but I forget where I'm going. And so the brain has to choose which of the two it's going to be thinking about. But again, this is the training. Like you have to go through this process to start reprogramming how you speak and what you're doing. And so that, element of it, the building the self-awareness is the most important part. So how do you build self-awareness? Well, you got to record yourself, audio and video. I personally think video is the best way to go because you get both. You get the nonverbal feedback, your facial expressions, the delivery, how you carry yourself, eye contact, all those things, but you also get the auditory and you get a chance to hear what you sound like. And so for me, Having recording yourself and doing both of those those pieces is going to give you the best. And I'm saying like as often as you can, if you're using Zoom, record every Zoom call that you can. Because if you can record the Zoom call, at least you're probably going to forget that it's being recorded. So you're going to be very natural. And it's easy. You don't have to set up any recording equipment. You're just on your computer. It's set up. And your phones. Your phones are, are great recording devices. They have great cameras and great audio. And if you're checking for ums and ahs and filler words, you don't need professional recording equipment. You just need to record. And if you can get the audio or excuse me, the video, it's even better. And so you got to start building awareness. So that's that's critical. So the other the other piece of this, there's there's three things that really are affected when you overuse filler words. One of them is they get in the way of the emotional connection to your story. If there's a powerful story, like um, good friend Ryan Kobe tells this great story. And when I say great story, it's 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 hard, but I mean he tells it in such a powerful way that you're riveted. But the first time he told the story, it was really fast. And I remember working with him on this, and he was like, "See, I'm going so slow." And then we'd slow it down, and he'd he'd hear it again, and he'd try again, and and you know, God, again, being coachable is so critical in this. And then when he realized that he could slow the story down, it was a car accident that he had gotten into. And but when you tell a story fast about a car accident you get into, you, there's really no um, uh, time for uh, uh, us to really connect with the story. And so, um, and so, again, the car, those types of details allow us to paint a picture. But when you have the crutch words and the filler words, typically we tend to go faster, and we want to get everything out that we can, but we don't allow any emotional connection to the story. So they get in the way. We don't want to get in the way of that because influence is about connection. We need the pathos, the emotional appeal to do that. Second is that they distract from your personality. If you're at happy hour with friends, you're not um and awing the and your likes and your noses as often. You're just not. And so they get in the way of who you are. When they're too much, again, this is about the overuse of these things. When they get in the way of your personality, people can have a hard time connecting and knowing who you are. 
you come across as inauthentic, as nervous, as not prepared. All the things that go against what I'm assuming your brand, you want your brand to be, which is somebody who is prepared, somebody who is authentic, somebody that, that, that is an authority in their subject matter. And you want people to, to be able to connect with your personality and to be able to connect with the emotion of the story. And the last part, which I kind of mentioned before, it requires a lot of cognitive effort. If you're making your audience think too hard, like I got to put all this together and sift through all this information, I'm just going to go put my attention on something else. Emails, texts, you know, uh, uh, social media, you name it. The options are endless in how people could do it. So next natural question is, is how long should you pause for? Well, research shows that right now, a short pause would be considered about 0.2 seconds, about a medium pause, about 0.6, and a longer pause would be about point, or be about one second long. But what they also found were the greatest speakers, the people that were really considered just eloquent, the ones that were considered captivating and influential speakers, they pause two, three, sometimes four plus seconds in between the most important points that they're delivering. And so if you can think about that for a minute, you have to really rethink and re-experience what a pause is. And once you re learn to re-experience it and, and understand what a minute, or excuse me, what three seconds feels like or two seconds where three seconds could feel like an eternity when you're sitting in front of a room and the people are staring at you. But it's actually not as long because the, what's happening is your audience is painting a picture. And so they're experiencing the time from their relative standpoint, much faster than you are. So I, they say time is a relative thing. And so if you're able to really get comfortable in that silence, I sometimes actually will use body language, nonverbal communication when it's, when it's a longer pause. Eye contact, if I'm trying to make a very strong point to let people know that this point is not over and it's something really critical. Sometimes I'll smile and I'll nod like I'm looking off going, okay, thinking of a thought. And those thoughts will trigger maybe a smile, letting people know that something else is coming up. Lots of ways to deal with those with those pauses. But you you got to start stretching that pause muscle, if you will. You got to start really getting comfortable with spending more time just in that silence. And once you realize, and when you start also paying attention to how you listen to people and how they talk, and one thing I tell people is that go, go recall one of your favorite speakers and then go back and re-listen to them with the sole purpose of saying, how often did they pause? Did they use filler words? And what, what did it feel like? You'll come to learn that the really good ones, the ones that got us emotionally, that really got us invested, were really good at creating space between thoughts for us. There was a study done in the Journal of Nonverbal Behavior. And what they wanted to find out was what was the reasoning behind pauses, or excuse me, behind these filler words. And what they found were it wasn't always a correlation to anxiety and stress or lack of preparation. But that's the, that's the good news. The bad news was that it was almost always correlated with people assuming that you weren't, assuming that you weren't prepared, uh, the, the assuming that you are nervous. And so it's not so much about the, the personal experience of doing the, the filler words, but it's more about how people perceive you in doing that. And so 
if your brand is important to you in terms of how people perceive you, you're going to have to start paying attention to those different elements. And so getting comfortable with the pause. How do we do that? Well, one, it's got to be replaced with silence. We talked about that. And you've got to reframe for yourself what a pause means. A pause is wise. A pause is strong. And it gives your audience a chance to paint the picture. If you're going too fast through the story, people can't paint a picture. Period. So do your audience and give them the gift. And do them a favor of slowing down so that they know why it is that you're doing this. And so that they can feel like they're part of this whole program. And so when you're able to paint the picture with them and, and walk them through a story like that, now they're going to follow you much better. So the big questions is, again, now, how do we start developing this muscle around pauses and everything? We're going to go back to the first step, which is awareness. If you're listening to this, here's what I want you to do. If, is Whether you're a pro, somebody who's been doing this a long time, start recording all your conversations. Obviously, get permission to do so. Zoom's great at that. I won't let it do that unless somebody has given permission. And then review. Just do an audit. How many filler words? How did it feel? What's going on? And you have to build that awareness. But here's the catch. I don't want you to build self-consciousness. Okay? I need you to start building awareness. That awareness is going to help you start making the change. And so this is a process. This is not an overnight fix. This is not something that you're just like, okay, I'm done with it. And just because you say a filler word doesn't mean that it was a bad time to use it. So just observe, take notes, see how it feels. I also highly recommend doing this with people that you trust. So if you, if you have somebody you're giving a talk, have some of the people that you talk, so just count those filler words. What, what, what are they observing? And what are they feeling? What are they seeing when you do that? And if they can provide you that feedback on that, I think that's great. And the other thing, I'm a big fan of, of taking one skill set and focusing on that for two to three weeks. You know, say 21 days of forming a new habit. If you can do it for three weeks, just focus on the pauses and the non-use of, of those filler words. It's going to make a huge difference. And this is another one, just a, a kind of a random piece, but the word so, you have to, I, I just, it drives me nuts how often people start with that on social media. So I just wanted to hop on here real quick. That, that, that whole so thing. We got to start building awareness of it. Sometimes it's a great word, by the way, to just transition from one thought that seems like it's over here and to bring it over here. Okay, all right, so just to bring us back to what's happening, it kind of reels people back in, kind of like, hey, I'm about to say something. It does serve a purpose sometimes when that's the case. But you still want to be careful. You don't want to sound like that person taking a selfie that's on social media. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Let's add value. So now... How do we get on it? Self-awareness is the first one. You gotta record yourself. You've gotta get on camera. You gotta do the things that are painful. And guess what? If it's the first time you're doing it, you're probably not gonna love what you see. News, right? News flash. So that's okay. It's okay to not be good at something right away. In fact, that's called normal. It's okay to, to suck at something right away. That's super normal. That's why we put in the effort and the time and the, and the practice. You know, Tom Brady wasn't good at football wasn't born with it. He put the work in. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, all the best athletes in the world. They weren't good. A pianist who's a virtuoso wasn't born with it. They had to put the practice in. The same is true with speaking and influence. you got to get practice. So you should be thinking about every single phone call. 
You should be thinking about every single meeting. Are you speaking up in these meetings? If not, you need to start speaking up. So you can at least have a baseline. How do you speak up? Um, what are the, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, how are you speaking up? Versus, here's what I'd like to offer. I guess my first observation is this, right? So those are powerful ways you can enter without starting with the filler words. The silence, though, is what's going to save you. So one, you've got to build awareness. And two, you've got to learn to embrace silence. Silence is a beautiful thing. It is, especially if you have a captive audience and you can really drive home a message, it's powerful. And if you can add body language and confidence and poise and, and presence to that, now you're talking about something totally different, a much more powerful way of really, truly connecting with people. And so building awareness, embracing that silence and reframing it for yourself that silence is wise, silence is powerful, silence gives our audience a better experience. I can go on and on. Silence is a really, really good thing. That break in between thoughts is powerful. And the last one, preparation. Preparation is huge. You, you, you got to be prepared. The more prepared you are for, for events, to speak, you know, meetings, the better off you're going to be. You're just going to feel better. I can't tell you how, how, how little people prepare for meetings. They get up, they've got meetings, and they show up to the meeting, but did they prepare for it? Did they structure questions? Did they do any pre-homework? Did they find out ways that they could move the meeting forward prior to even the meeting starting? Or asking somebody, what's the vision for the outcome of these meetings? How can we be most effective? How can I show up to really win in this meeting? Because meetings are expensive. The whole company or whoever the whole group is stopping the work to be able to get in one room and hopefully be effective. So meetings are costly if they're not run correctly. So by being prepared, this third piece, you, you build your confidence into being able to uh, contribute at a much, much higher level. As we start thinking about this, ums, likes, you knows, all those filler words, I want to keep it really, really, really simple. Start recording yourself and think about how can you begin phrases being immediately valuable, immediately relevant, having a strong voice when you, when you begin. Because if you just ramble and make noises, people are slowly chipping away at your credibility. And that's the last thing that we want for you. So building that awareness, getting the practice in, is really what it comes down to, those, those crutch words. And again, please do not fall on the perfectionist side of this one. We, it, it doesn't help. We don't need that. You just need to get out there and start recognizing it. So we're going to put some of this research here in the show notes. And a lot of the, this, this is something you can think about, but the more you practice, the more you review, the easier it starts to become. And the more you're able to manage your own stress, the easier it is to do it. We'll actually drop in a progressive relaxation link in here. This progressive relaxation is something that's going to help you realize where you carry your nerves, where you carry your stress. It's been around a long time. A lot of professional teams use it. Olympic athletes and Olympic teams use this pro process where you tense and tighten different muscle groups. It's actually my voice walking you through how to do it. And if we can, um, if you can do that just two to three times, by the third time, you're already going to start feeling a difference. And you'll be able to find out where in your body you keep that stress because we're really trying to make stress a tangible thing. 
versus this thing that's sort of in the air or just a feeling that we can't touch, it's physical. And if we can make it physical, then we can identify where it's, where it's at and then we can make a strategy to, to do it, whether it be breathing, tensing and tightening a muscle, all those things. So all that's going to be uh, in the show notes as we move forward. So I, I wanted to keep t- today's kind of short and sweet. You know, let's, let's get out there and start be building that awareness. So again, just a quick recap. Filler words get in, the, get in the way of connecting to a human story. They distract from our personality, make us seem nervous and unprepared, and it make our clients require a lot more cognitive effort. So instead, we're going to start by building a massive amount of awareness through recording ourselves, and we're going to embrace the silence and reframe it as silence is strong, silence is powerful, and silence is wise, and then we're going to prepare and practice as often as we can. You can do those things. You are well on your way to making a huge impact on the people around you. So thank you for tuning in. Again, uh, our book, April 26th, comes out. Please go to amplifybook.com or meetrenee.com and you can find our book. Make sure you subscribe and share this podcast. We are also going to be, we are not going to be, we have been investing in YouTube. So these videos, full-length video here, in like with me, I don't know if you want to watch me stare at the camera, but it's going to be on YouTube so find our YouTube channel, Voluntary Momentum. Just go to there and um, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if um, you're listening to this too, we've got the Amplify live events and we've got AmpCon, Amplify Conference, March 14th, 2022 in Caesars Palace. All a lot of stuff happening. So buy the book, come to AmpCon, sign up for an event. And if you don't want to do any of that paid stuff, keep listening to the podcast, go to YouTube, go to my social media on Instagram and uh, Facebook and we will be providing a ton of free stuff so that we can continue to work together. Please, so go out there, find your story, tell it from the heart in a sequence the brain understands, and now give it some time, pause between the thoughts to make it even more compelling. Thanks for being here. We will see you next time. Thank you for sharing this time with us. If the experience resonated with you, Follow us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or AmplifyMyLife.com. Share it with anyone else who's ready to amplify their lives. And remember to let our hearts speak in sequence. For more from Renee Rodriguez, visit MeetRenee.com.